church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted to have you listening to this podcast today. You know, from time to time, I bump into things that I think maybe people are confused about or need to uh, know more about. Let me give you a warning. Uh, you know, I hear things in the grocery stores sometimes that uh, uh, I guess stimulate me to tackle a new topic on a podcast. So my warning to you is be careful about what you're talking about in the grocery store because someone might be uh, listening in. Now, I recently overheard someone in the grocery store telling their friend that they uh, had met their soulmate. I'm not sure people really understand what the soul is, let alone a soulmate. Uh, we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about this this subject that some people believe in, uh, soulmates. You know, uh, it seems to me that people recognize that there is something deep inside them that they refer to as their soul. So in current usage, soulmate usually refers to a person with whom one has a feeling of deep or natural affinity. You know, polls tell us that 60% of Americans believe in this concept of soulmates. I'd love to spend time talking more about that, but I, this more, today I really want to focus on uh, the soul. You know, what are we really talking about when we're talking about the soul? You know, there are certain foods that are referred to as soul foods. And these these foods are usually associated with the uh, Afro-American cuisine or Deep South cuisine. And many people think of these foods as comfort foods. Why? Because in a strange kind of way, they seem to bring up memories of generations in the past that somehow touches this deep thing that we refer to as our soul. You know, there's a series of books known as the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. These books are filled with informa- uh, inspirational stories that somehow speak to the entity that we call the soul. You know, uh, polls tell us that 60% of the American people believe that our soul will end up in heaven or hell after death. Now, some of my comments today are going to be based on the writings of J.P. Moreland and the late Dallas Willard, who frankly is one of my favorite writers. You know, the overall sense of the soul is that it's an entity that's unseen and separate from the body and has no uh, material uh, context or content. But despite these perceptions, the 
The term soul is largely absent from the discussions and writings of contemporary psychologists. There seems to be a tendency to reduce the human person to his or her brain. But our personhood is much more uh, than just the brain and our bodies. So the soul does exist, and it interacts with our brain and, and our bodies. It's, it's where our mental states of sensation, thoughts, beliefs, desires, and acts of will exist. You know, within our soul, there's an awareness or a consciousness of things like color and uh, pain and sound and all of these things. You know, we have thoughts that exist in our soul that can be expressed in entire sentences. And these thoughts only exist while they're being thought. You know, our thoughts can lead to other thoughts. For example, uh, if we're sitting in a courtroom listening to ev uh, evidence and thinking about that, it can lead us to the thought that a person is guilty. And then we can have thoughts that we really don't even believe. You know, the beliefs that we have in our soul uh, reflects how we, how we think things really are. You know, the soul possesses inclinations to do things, or have things, or avoid things, or experience certain things. You know, within our soul, inclinations can lead to desires, either conscious or unconscious. And it's the soul that pushes us into an act of will. That is our ability to exercise power, our, our humanly power, to do certain things. You know, the soul is very complicated and intricate with different types of mental states that interact and inform the body and the brain. You know, uh, a good way to think about this is to say the soul is to the body like God is to space. It's fully present at each point within the body, and the soul and the body relate to each other in sort of a cause and effect uh, manner. Uh, for example, if you worry about things the chemistry in your brain changes. If you have the thought in your soul to raise your arm, the body raises your arm up. You know, if you experience brain damage, uh, you can lose the ability to remember certain things in your soul. The body and the soul are highly interactive. They enter into uh, deep, very deep functional tendencies and dependencies on each other. And the human person is a unity of both. The human soul, it has capacities beyond the mental states that I've been discussing 
Uh, one way I like to think about this is uh, to think about the small acorn that falls from the tree and how that little acorn has the capacity to grow a root system and change in to the shape of a large tree. In the same way, the soul has capacities uh, like the ability to see color or to think about math and um, or desire your favorite ice cream sometimes even when you're asleep. You know, the, 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 um, the capacities of the, of the soul are uh, absolutely amazing. It has the capacity to see a multitude of colors, to, to hear a dog bark or uh, react to a beautiful melody or to think about God, uh, to desire lunch, to determine you're hungry, to want a family, and to love things and people in a very deep kind of way. You know, another way to think about the soul, it's, uh, it's like the washing machine uh, in my house. A computer board tells the machine how much water to put in, what the temperature of the water should be, uh, how long the wash will last, and the speed of the agitator. You know, of course, the computer is a physical entity, and the soul is not. But the soul control, uh, controls our personhood in very much the same way. You know, the book of Psalms is known as the soul book. Some feel that it's the premier book of the soul on earth, touching us at the deepest levels of our lives, uh, far beyond our conscious thoughts. This element of depth is our primary characterization of the soul. The book of Psalms treats the soul as if it has a life of its own. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Psalm 42, 5. Bless the, soul, uh, bless the Lord, all my soul. Psalms 103, 1. Uh, my soul leaps, my soul, excuse me, my soul keeps your decrees. Psalms 119, 167. You know, one of the mental states of the soul is the acts of will. Some people talk about it as our free will. That, that will that can lead to sin. The Apostle Paul puts, uh, put, put it this way in Ephesians 2.1. We were dead through trespasses and sin. Then talking about himself in Romans 7.19, he said, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Haven't we all experienced this? We know what is wrong, and we do it anyway. No human being entirely escapes the blight of the will. And sadly for some, it becomes not just rebellion, but sickness. You know, a man or a woman can become confused, ignorant, and misguided 
to the point that the individual is ready to do evil without even thinking about it. You know, again, the Apostle Paul tells us that uh, they know God's decree decrees and those who practice such things deserve to die yet not only do they do them but even applaud others who practice them Romans 132 the state of the mind that's supposed to be our tool for reason can become the tool for rationalization rationalizing why we sin, making excuses. You know, it's when we realize our brokenness and hopelessness uh, that it becomes possible for the soul, the soul now, to want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his followers. He said, if you love me and keep my commands, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be with you talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a special gift from God that is not, is not part of our soul, but influences the soul in very special ways, following our conversion to faith in Jesus Christ. Thessalonians 5.33 tells us the God of peace himself will sanctify you wholly. And your spirit and soul and body will be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This this verse in the Bible may be the clearest verse in the Bible telling us that we have three distinct parts. Our spirit, our soul, and our body. It's the spirit that begins to change the soul. And the church... We call this the sanctification process. Now, Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. You know, there's nothing that we can do to earn this gift of salvation. He only asks that we love God the Father and follow his teachings that include becoming a disciple and making disciples. Now, The way we can achieve this is referred to as spiritual formation. You know, it's been said that grace is not opposed to effort. It's it's opposed to earning. Uh, Some professed Christians seem to think that, you know, once they've made a profession of faith, that their ticket's been punched and that they are on the uh, train bound for glory. Well, you know, after we've made the decision to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he commands us to become disciples. In Matthew and Luke, Jesus talks about uh, 
giving our life up for his sake and taking up our cross. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, we cannot overcome the uh, patterns of early desires by our own force of will. Uh, it takes more than that. And Jesus showed his disciples how to bring the body and the soul from opposition to supporting the new life he has given us. In other words, Jesus has laid out the plan for our spiritual growth in our effort to become disciples. Becoming Christ-like is not passive, it's active engagement with and in God. You know, in the late Dallas Willard's writings, he suggested some very effective and practical ways to grow spiritually in men the soul. You know, one important discipline to grow spiritually is solitude and silence. We live in a fast-paced world, constantly bombarded by audio and visual messages on our computers and smartphones and televisions. You know, to the point that we seem to be addicted uh, to these various stimulations to our brain. However, you know, however, for many, remaining quiet and being alone for lengthy periods of time is the only way to take the body and the soul out of the circuits of sin. Bible study, prayer, church attendance, they're among the most commonly prescribed activities among Christians. But sadly, it's my opinion and many others, they have little effect on soul transformation. Think about it. If all the people doing these things are transformed to a healthy soul and righteousness, the world would be vastly changed. Now, don't misunderstand me. Bible study, prayer, and worship in church are an important aspect of our spiritual lives. And they'll be the spontaneous outcomes of our spiritual growth. You know, Psalms 46.10 tells us, God is calling us to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's telling us. There's a time to be still and know that he is God. You know, generally speaking, God is not going to compete for our attention. If we will not willfully withdraw from the things that we obsess about and the things that exhaust us, God usually leaves us to our own devices. But if we wait quietly in silence and solitude, he will make himself known in ways that will redirect every thought every feeling and every choice within us. Ruth Haley Barton wrote this. Solitude and silence are the most radical of the disciplines for spiritual life because they most directly attack the sources of human misery and wrongdoing. To be at solitude is to choose to do nothing for extensive periods of time. All accomplishment is giving up. 
but one learns. It's hands off. Silence is required to complete uh, uh, solitude. For until we enter quietness, including listening and speaking, the world still lays hold of us. You know, silence even requires that we stop making demands upon God. It is encouraging. You know, it teaches us that God is God and we are His. We learn we have a soul and that God is here and that this truly is God's world. Fasting is another central discipline that will impact your spiritual growth. Now, I don't know how the listeners out there react to this word fasting, although it's become popular in many diet programs today. You know, Jesus said in Luke 9.23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, in this context, the cross means not doing and getting what you want. Anger that we all experience. Angry is that will in our soul that's being frustrated by not getting what we want. Fasting is primarily a voluntary abstention from food. And it frees us from what we want. The scripture has numerous examples of, of uh, fasting, including Jesus fasting for 40 days. I'm surprised to meet so many professed Christians who've never fasted as part of their spiritual development. Anyone who has fasted as part of their spiritual growth will report that in an almost supernatural kind of way, it brought them out from under the domination of human desire and into a closer relationship with Jesus. Another important discipline for spiritual growth is scripture memorization. In Joshua 1.8, we were taught to keep the scripture always on our lips, meditate on it day and night, so that we'll be careful to do everything written in it. You know, the memorization of Scripture gives us the ability to mumble and meditate uh, when we're practicing silence and solitude and, or fasting. All these things go hand in hand. You know, the truth is, there's no such thing as a complete list of uh, disciplines that will contribute to spiritual growth and discipleship. You know, in addition to the things that I've been uh, talking about, uh, there are practices such as uh, frugality, service, celebration, prayer, journaling, fellowship, submission, confess uh, confession, and, and many other things would be on the list. Any activity that is in our uh, that is in our power and enables us to achieve by grace what we cannot achieve by our direct effort 
is a discipline of spiritual life. You know, the soul and the Holy Spirit are two distinct things that live within believers. The soul is part of us when we were formed by God. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. I want to leave some thoughts with you as we begin to close this podcast. We live in a world that's filled with moral decay, human tragedies, and political upheaval. And many of us sit back and say, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? I think the answer is to mend our souls with spiritual disciplines with the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to have a sustained apprenticeship to Jesus as Savior of the world. To become disciples and therefore become His witnesses. You know, in this way, we'll bring others into a relationship with Him. And it's in this way that we can have an impact on the world. May God bless you and thank you for listening to this podcast.